Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Okay. Praise God. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for this church. I thank you for this ministry. I thank you for our pastors, both Pastor Rod and Pastor Julie, especially Pastor Julie at this time. We lift her up and we are determined to see the full recovery that is due. Lord, I don't even know really how to pray the words. All I will say is, Holy Spirit, my best friend, please come. Please come and minister to us. Speak to us in the deep truths, in the things that you want, you need to say. Because indeed you are good. You are good. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, as usual, it's a great honor to come before you all. And um, yeah, it really is. I was, I was trembling in the car on the way this morning. Um, I don't know why, but I just felt the presence of the Lord in who he is, what he's, what he's uh, saying to me. Um, and I just had to, yeah, I just had to spend a moment. Um, okay, so last week Emmanuel spoke. It's fantastic. It was really, it was really good, actually. And um, when I was listening, the Lord spoke to me, which seems to be a thing at the moment. He'll speak within another sermon or ministry or something, and. Um, he said to me, when Emmanuel was talking about some of the stuff he was, he was going through and some things he was experiencing, the Lord straight away said, I can make it happen, you know. And I said, yeah, 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 okay, Lord. He said, no, Deji. I can make it happen. Whatever it is that you cannot do and no man can do, I can make it happen. And he said, when you speak next time, I want you to speak on, I can make it happen. So, here we are. We've got to understand that the Lord is absolutely desperate to do stuff. Okay? Sometimes we forget, we live in this world And we look around us and we don't realize that his nature is to create. I mean, I don't need to prove it to you. Look at the world. He is the master craftsman and he loves to create. That's what he does. Okay. Um, And I'm going to try and keep it short today. I don't know if I will be able to, but I'm going to try and keep it short. I'm just going to tell you what he said and I'm going to leave it at that. Um, I thought you wouldn't be able to. Okay, first scripture. Um, Second Chronicles. Now, this is not on there, Elizabeth. Okay. Second Chronicles 16.9. The Amplified says this. For the eyes of the Lord are on and 
no, run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of those whose hearts are blameless toward him. You have done foolishly in this. Therefore, from now on, you shall have wars. I put that little bit on the end there. God is literally looking for us going throughout the whole world. The only ones who are blameless are those who are in Christ. That's us. Because we are, we cannot be blamed. There's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So we are the blameless ones. So God is looking for us with whom he can make himself strong. Whom he can prove that his word is true and that he is the great I am. So he's looking for you and I. And because he's looking, if he goes to you and you're not ready, he'll move on. And he'll move on until he finds someone with whom he can make himself strong. If it's big time breakthrough that you need, today the Lord is saying, I can make it happen. If it is a job, a new job, a better job, today the Lord is saying, I can make it happen. And I'll prove that later. If it is for the Holy Spirit to find you your God-given wife or your God-given husband, the Holy Spirit is saying today, I can make it happen. If it is restoration that you need, today the Lord is saying, I can make it happen. Whatever it is that man cannot do, that you know is your portion, according to the promises of God, the Holy Spirit is saying, I can make it happen. Everyone say, he can make it happen. With a bit of conviction. He can make it happen. The thing is, if we don't believe it, who else can? You have to understand that if the saints, if God's kids cannot say that with conviction and believe it and occupy that space, then he can't. Notice he said, I can make it happen. Not I will make it happen. There's a possibility that he can do it. But he has to wait for us in order to get it done. And this is where we're going to land today. So what else can we say of this Lord? Numbers 23, 19, he amplified. Again, it's not in the notes. (laughs) God is not a man that he should tell or act a lie. 
neither the Son of Man, that he should feel repentance or compunction for what he has promised. Has he said, and shall he not do it? Or has he spoken, and shall he not make it good? If it is written in God's word, God is obligated to do that thing, provided whatever requirements are met. If he has said it truly through the mouth of a prophet, then he is obligated for it to come to pass if the prophet is believed for what the word the Lord has said. For no single word of a true prophet shall fall to the ground. God is obligated. He stands by his word. And he cannot part with his word. Because his word goes from everlasting to everlasting. Okay. So what of the promises of God? Now I'm just reading some of these scriptures just to put it out into the air. You know them, but I'm reading them deliberately because I know the Lord wants me to read them. Okay? 2 Corinthians 1.20, and Amplified says, For as many as are the promises of God, they all find their yes answer in him Christ. For this reason we also utter the what? The Amen. So be it to God through him in his person and by his agency to the glory of God. When announcing to Mary that she was going to be made pregnant by the Holy Spirit and that her barren cousin Elizabeth was six months pregnant, the angel of the Lord says this, for with God nothing is ever impossible and no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. Now I deliberately took that one because that is the greatest work that we would ever know. Nothing is impossible for this God. When Jesus himself was challenging his disciples on how difficult it is for a man to enter the kingdom of God by his own strength, he said this in Mark 10, 27. Jesus glanced around at them and said, with men it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. All things are possible. The possibility is there. Okay. So, the Lord started to speak to me simply on a few different things. So the first one was this. Now, I'm sure everyone agrees that God can do everything. There's nothing that he can't do. So what is the issue? And what the Holy Spirit said was, I want you to know that I am working things out when you just cannot see it. I want you to persist in your faith, especially when nothing is happening. 
especially when nothing is happening. And what he was saying to me was that too often we give up because we don't see what he's doing. And when we don't persist in faith, that thing delays or sometimes just stops altogether. And this is the issue because then he can't say, I'm able to do it. He can't say, I can make it happen because he didn't. So what is, what are we to do in this situation? What is it that's holding us back from believing God continuously, staying in that place of faith? Hebrews 10.36 says this, For you have need of steadfast patience and endurance, so that you may perform and fully accomplish the will of God, and thus receive and carry away and enjoy to the full what is promised. So we have to endure, patiently endure. We cannot move ourselves to something else. We must sit in that place and occupy and say, Lord, I will believe you and I will keep believing you. Luke 18, 7 to 8, says this about someone who cried out to God. And will not our just God defend and protect and avenge his elect, his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he defer them and delay help on their behalf? I tell you, he will defend and protect and avenge them speedily. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find persistence in faith on the earth? So the expectation is, in the time that we're going into, there will be a struggle to persist in faith. And this is why the Lord is announcing to us today, I can make it happen, but you must persist. You must stand true. You must not move. And this is why we have to reflect on this and allow the Holy Spirit to strengthen us. Okay. So whenever the Holy Spirit wants to do something, we have to cooperate. He's not going to do anything in our lives if we're not ready for him to do it or we're not in agreement with him. Okay, he won't. And even if he asks and says, can I do, can I do? And we don't respond, he still won't do it. We have to respond, we have to cooperate, co-labor with the Holy Spirit to get things done. And this is very important because if it was not true, God would be a dictator. But he's not. He's a loving father. And he gives us our heart's desire. So the next thing the Lord said to me was this. I have the ways and I have the means to make everything work together for your benefit. 
There is nothing that I cannot shift in order for you to prosper. Whatever it is, if it is sickness, if it is persecution, whatever it is, God has ways, and we'll get into it, and he has means in order for circumstances that appear negative to work together for your benefit. He's a specialist in turning what the enemy meant for harm into good. He doesn't do evil by his hands, but he doesn't let evil stay when it comes to his children. He will turn it around into his glory. Romans 8, 28 says this, we are assured and know that God being a partner in their labor, all things work together and are fitting into a plan for good and for those who love God and are called according to his design and purpose. All right, next one. Next thing the Spirit said was this, move your opinion from he won't do it for me to my father will always do it for me. Your opinion. Too many of us are thinking, I know God can do it, but I'm not sure if he's going to do it for me. And the Holy Spirit is saying, that opinion is actually wrong. Because one, I don't have any favorites. Two, it limits my ability to get it done. So we've got to change our opinion. Whatever it is that you need, whatever it is that you are lacking, today he's saying, if your opinion is not of my father will always do it for me, you need to change it. Okay. James 1, 6 to 8, in the New King James this time, says this, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. God doesn't like double-mindedness. One minute you're thinking this, next minute you're thinking that, one minute you're proclaiming, yeah, God can do it, next minute you're in doubt. He doesn't like that, that double-mindedness. He can't do anything with it. Okay. Then the next one, it's not going to be all this, by the way, I'm just setting the ground. He said, tell them to only wait if they are willing to endure. For a season, things may delay, but I will surely come through. Tell them to only wait if they are willing to endure. What the Holy Spirit is saying here is that don't wait for him if you are not prepared to go the course. Because what will happen is that you get to a point and you'll think, I can't go through this, so I'm going to change my mind, and I'm going to go off and do something else. He's actually saying, you're better off not waiting. If you're not prepared to endure, don't wait. 
You're better off. Hebrews 10.38 says, For you have need of steadfast patience and endurance, so that you may perform and fully accomplish the will of God, and thus receive and carry away and enjoy to the full what is promised. And then the final one. The Holy Spirit said this. Now, I wasn't going to put this in here. And the reason I wasn't going to put it is because I thought, oh, I don't have the scripture that I really, really want for this. And then the Holy Spirit said, no, hold on. Yes, you do. And it's Matthew 6, 9 to 13. So what he said was this. In heaven, there is no limit to what I can do because there is perfect faith and perfect obedience and no doubt. That's why you must make the atmosphere of heaven be manifest here on earth. Then I will move without limitation in my will. I will move without limitation in my will. There's a lot in there. The first is that God is sometimes limited in his own will because there is a lack of obedience, there is a lack of faith. And this is why Jesus said, when you pray, my kingdom come and my will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, let the atmosphere of heaven come into the earth so that my kingdom can be manifest and my will in its fullness can happen. And this is why he says, in heaven, there is no limit to what I can do. So we have to partner with the Holy Spirit and direct the proceedings of heaven down here in accordance with God's word. All right, so that's just setting the scene. The Holy Spirit then said to me, okay, I want to give you six observations. I said, yeah, but seven is a number of completion. And he said, there's no doctrinal <laughs> relevance to six. It's just I'm giving you six. So it's not seven. <laughs> you see? He's not about religion. I'm thinking seven, 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 completion. He said, no, but Jesus is six. Six. Six important observations for you to consider. What's an observation? Anybody? Something that you notice. Something that you see. Okay, something you give yourself to. So he said, yes, yeah, six. I want you to observe. I want you to see these things. I want you to understand. Now, I'm not trying to explain how God works. And the Holy Spirit said this in such a way that if he didn't say it, it would be like, oh, let's explain what God is doing. But he said, no, just observe these things. Because God could change it any time. God. So the first one was this. What does God need to do? They're not up there. They're not. What does he need to do? 
you know all this? I can make it happen. What does God actually need to do? It's important because God is specific. He doesn't do random. He doesn't do approximate. He does absolute. So whatever you require specifically, that's what he's going to be doing. So if you're a bit wishy-washy and you're not sure, keep your mouth shut. Yeah. Keep your mouth shut. Think about it. Keep your mouth shut. What does he need to do for you? Now, I remember some years back, I needed a wife. Yeah, I needed a wife. How old was I? 20, 29, I think it was. And I said, Lord, is it not time for me to be married? And I went to the Lord with a list, specifics, real specifics. I don't play with the Lord, you know, because I know that he'll say, you didn't ask for that if it's not on the list. So I made this list. What was at the top? Guess what was at the top? No, I didn't know Tina in that moment. But yeah, good point. <laughs> what would have been the first thing on that list? That's it. You see? Loves Jesus. You can be a believer and not love Jesus, you know. I said, Lord, she has to love you. Absolutely love you. And know you. There she is. There were so many things on the list. And you know what? He hit all of them apart from one. Yeah. He hit all of them apart from one. But God reserves the right, you see. Because our lives are not our own. So I can't go and say, Lord, hold on a minute. Didn't you miss something out? I did do that, but it was foolish. Yeah, it was foolish. Yeah, yeah, He missed something out. And what it... Should I even... <laughs> nah, another, another, another day, another day. Another day. <laughs> but... The reason it did not, I didn't get it that way, is because I said, son, you don't need that. And actually, there is something better. The dynamic of the person you require needs to be this way, and that is not important. But he hit it. He hit it in six weeks. Within six weeks of making that prayer, I met Tina. Six weeks. I can make it happen, 
says the Lord. Okay? Now, I know it's not that for everybody, but I'm just saying it is possible. Okay? And, yeah. I joke and I'd say, oh, Lord, you know. But six weeks he did it. Number two, when does God do it? When does he actually do it? When does he deliver? Number three, how much time has he given until it happens? Now you might think, are they the same? They're not the same. There is a time when something should happen according to God. There is a date, there is an hour, there is a minute. But there is a season that needs to pass in order for something to come to pass. Both are necessary with God. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says this, to everything there is a season and a time for every matter or purpose under heaven. So it says it clearly there. There is a season and a time for every matter. And God sticks to it. Genesis 18, 14 says this. Is anything too hard or too wonderful for the Lord? At the appointed time when the season for her delivery comes around, I will return to you and Sarah shall have or a son. You see? So the season must pass, but the allotted time must appear. Remember this, because God works this way. In 1999, I said, Lord, I've known this woman for a while. And it is time to get serious. What does get serious mean? <laughs> it was time to make a proposal for marriage. <laughs> right? 1999. The turn of the millennium. I said to my dad, right. I'm going to propose to this woman. He said, right, how are you going to do it? I said, well, I've got flowers in the back of the car. We're going to, I'm going to do it in church. Um, and I've prayed about it. He said, good, okay. You got my blessing. Okay. Now, why am I telling you this? The minute I had decided, the Holy Spirit, Deji, you've got to do it. You've got to do it today. You must not delay. This must happen today. You've got to do it. You've got to do it. He was on me the whole day. The whole day. I've never ever, since that moment, had that happen. I mean, literally, like I, was I going to change my mind? No. But he was saying, this is so important that it happens today. And I knew in my spirit that if it didn't, it may never 
there is a time, you see, when something is allotted to occur and God parts whatever needs to be parted for it to happen on that day for you. And if you miss it, you may miss it permanently or it may be 20 years until that window comes again for whatever circumstances. The scriptures say it. And he was on me. I mean, he was on me until I got down on my knees in Kensington Temple, New Year's Eve party with a little ring and proposed. He was on me. And everybody was like, what's going on? What's going on? As if they didn't know. Thankfully, she said yes. <laughs> Although if she said no, I wouldn't have heard it because it was so noisy in there. <laughs> but believe me, well, believe the scriptures when it says there is an allotted time and there is a season for everything. Okay. Number four. By which word does he do it? According to. God has chosen to restrict, I don't want to use the but it is that, to restrict himself to his word. So he can't step out of his word. No matter what you feel you need, if it's not in line with God's word and his will for you, he's not obligated to do it and he's very, very, very likely not to do it. Now the word is broad so most of the time we can find the word that agrees with this and the Holy Spirit says, okay. But nonetheless, we must learn to find the word that agrees with the thing that we go to God with or go to God for. For as many are the promises of God, they all find their yes answer in him Christ next one number what's this five what does man need to do what's your part in this any ideas cooperate but how do you cooperate but how Oh, confess. A, a doing word. Pray is the best starting point, don't you think? You see, God loves communication. And although he can read your mind, he can read your heart, he can read everything, he wants to hear it from you. Because he doesn't want to do it and then for you to say, well, actually, I know I thought it, but I didn't say it. I didn't really mean it. I joke, but that is how he is. He wants you to speak it. And I'll go on to that. So we pray, we declare. We read the word and we say, amen to that, Lord. We present our case. We say, Lord, doesn't it say, here's the chapter, here's the verse. And what else do we do? 
That's a good one. We stand in faith. And what else do we do? We do that, yeah. What else do we do? We wait. We wait. We wait. Because sometimes a season has to pass and we have to wait for the time, the date for it to come. If you're expecting something in the post and it is important, what do you do? <laughs> yeah, you wait at home, that's true. But how do you organize its delivery? Special delivery, you said, yeah? Or recorded delivery. Why? Why? Right. You get it at a certain time. You know you can go to God and say, on this date, I want this. Before I am 31, Lord, I want to be married. You know you can do that? You don't think you can do that? Who was it that said, before the sun goes down, I need to avenge myself on my enemy? And what happened? So if God cannot get you married before your 31st birthday, there's something wrong with that. You're bold enough to write down on a recorded delivery slip, whatever, three days, da 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 da, and believe that it will happen with the Royal Mail. These ones, no offense, Jason, right? But the God that created the universe, you're not quite sure that you can ask him for a particular date to deliver. Something wrong there. If you don't ask, you don't get. We'll get to it. And the final one. How will I get the glory? How will I get the glory? God always wants to get the glory. So you've got them all written down? Or do I need to go through them again? What does God need to do? When does God do it? How much time has he given until it happens? By which word does he do it according to? What does man need to do? How will I get the glory? Okay. So the Holy Spirit said to me, when you spoke last time about testing, you promised that you would talk about the complete part of the testimony. Now I spoke about me being made redundant, okay, and how it was an abomination, and how I was angry, okay. But the Holy Spirit said to me, you didn't get to the good bit. How did you get back into work? So he said, today, I want you to go bit by bit, detail by detail. It won't take long. 
So a little bit of a recap. I was in an organization for eight years, an investment bank. And one fateful, terrible day, <laughs> had a little phone call, and I was called into the office, and they said, right, you've been made redundant, your role is no longer whatever, okay? I appeared at my desk, there was security there, my boss was there, they escorted me, well, they allowed me to pack up my things, they escorted me to the door, pushed me out onto the street, and that was it. The most brutal method you can imagine, okay? And it left a mark on me, all right? So that's the scene. Now, I was redundant for nine months. Nine months out of work. The day I got made redundant, the Lord said to me on the train, he said, go home and praise me. And I remember I said three weeks ago, I was angry. And I said, I will go home and I'll give you the kind of praise that you want. Right? And I went home and I praised him. Tears in my eyes. Went in my prayer closet and I lifted up some crazy praise. Right? Sacrifice of praise. And I know the Lord loved it, but I tell you, it was bitter. Bitter. Yeah. I won't, I won't lie. I'm going, to tell you, I'm going to tell you how I felt. It was a bitter experience. Okay? And the Lord, sometime later, a few days, said to Tina, I allowed this to happen because losing his job was his greatest fear. Okay, remember? His greatest fear. And he said to me, they have knocked you down, but I will lift you up. Who are they, Lord? Who are they that have knocked me down? This is what happened in the nine months. So, in that nine-month period, I went into deep spiritual warfare. Now, it's important to recognize here that there comes a time in all of our lives that we realize that there's another dimension and it ain't on the earth, right? What's real, what's really real is in the spirit. What happens in the spirit manifests on the earth. So the spirit is indeed realer, more real than this realm. And we have to learn how to handle ourselves in the realm of the spirit. And the Holy Spirit went to town on me. He showed me chapter and verse how to engage in the most violent, aggressive spiritual warfare. I was dealing with generational wickedness. I was dealing with witchcraft. I was dealing with household wickedness. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you may not. But I was dealing with the devil and his cohorts. Okay? And let me tell you, the blood of Jesus is extremely powerful. 
Ephesians 6, 12 says this, for we are not wrestling with flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, because there is a time when you will contend with physical opponents. Look at the Ukraine. But it's not only physical, but against the despotisms, against the powers, against the master spirits who are the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spirit forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural sphere. So there is a sphere, there's an environment of wickedness that is rallying itself against the body of Christ. And they follow the agenda of Satan, the prince of the air. And this is why God says in his word, put on the whole armor of God so that you're able to stand. Without the armor of God, you know, you can't stand against the devil. You can try, but he will defeat you because he has some level of power. He doesn't have the authority that you have in Christ, but he has some power to do some stuff. I mean, look around. I mean, not in this place, but look at the world. <laughs> All right. This isn't just going to be about spiritual warfare, but we have to engage this. One day we'll probably teach it in this church. I think we will. I can feel it coming. So don't be afraid. Just be ready. You're all first-class soldiers in the army of Christ. So that means you can't sit in barracks all your life. All right. So there are times in your Christian walk where you need to contend spiritually. And I was contending for nine months. Okay? You, what are you contending for? You're contending on the basis of God's promises. You're not contending for salvation because that's done already. That's by grace and by grace alone. He did it and he doesn't need your help. Just needs you to say, yes, Lord, I believe. But with respect to your life, the fabric of God's promises manifesting for you, the devil will challenge you. If it were not so, there would be no poor Christians unless they wanted to be poor. There would be no barren Christians. There would be no sick Christians. I mean, you can leave out the unbeliever, but the body of Christ, there would be nothing wrong in it. Now, that is not the case. And it's not that people want to be devoid of God's promises. So it's reality. James 4, 7 says this. So be subject to God. Resist the devil. Stand firm against him and he will flee from you. The devil will flee. He has to flee. But you have to stand. You have to resist. And this is what I had nine months worth of. I'll give you just one example. In a time of deep warfare, I had a dream. Now, I don't dream unless it is spiritual. I will not dream. I literally will not dream unless it is spiritual. That's the biblical method, one of the biblical methods by which the Holy Spirit will speak to us in dreams and in visions. 
So with me, if I close my eyes and I dream, it's the Holy Spirit showing me something. Now in this particular dream, in this season of warfare, I was running, I was being chased. I mean, that's never good in a dream, but hey. But on my left-hand side, there was someone running with me. And I knew it was an angel. The way he was, he was with me. You understand? He was with me. You're running, I'm running too. My job is to be with you and protect. On my left-hand side. But I noticed I was outrunning him. That's how fast I was running. Right? So you can imagine what was chasing us. And it was a real chase. But we were running. Sometimes it's better to flee. You know what I mean? So we were running. Then I saw out of the corner of my eye something come like this all the way around and come down the front. And we were running fast and this thing was and it comes right in front of me. His face was so demonic, pointed, wicked, the worst horror film you can imagine. Right? And I'm like, what? How on earth? How's that even possible? He pointed at me and said, I'm not going to take you from the back. I'm going to take you from the front. I'm going to deal with you from the front. The devil's a liar. Hmm. He approached me and then flames, he just went up in flames, destroyed completely. Gone. He came too close to the glory and he was consumed. Right? So you have to understand who you really are in the spirit. Isaiah 59:19 says this. So as a result of the Messiah's intervention, they shall reverently fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him and put him to flight. For he will come like a rushing stream which the breath of the Lord drives. God is so powerful and so diligent when it concerns looking after his children. So the guy here was just running to give me some company. This one coming at me, he got dealt with. Now, because of the context of such a dream in, in a time of spiritual warfare, when I woke up, you can imagine the kind of prayer I did. I went even more hardcore. Okay, soon after this, soon after this event, the Lord said to me, Deji, son, I want you to start praying for your next job. It's time for you to get back into work. Now, to be honest with you, I didn't want to get back into work. I was still sore after that event, that redundancy thing proper saw and the Lord said it in such a sweet way but I was doing all kinds of warfare around the issue I was happy I was living on redundancy money 
I was all right. I was dealing with some generational stuff, praying, that was fine. But the Lord said, okay, it's time now. You see, there's a season and there is a time when God wants to do something. Even beyond you asking, he's ready to do a new thing. And he approached me so gently, son, start to pray. But I, I, I wasn't ready in my heart. Busying myself with all kinds of different things. I used to look out of the window and see people suited up on their way to the station, on their way to work. I used to feel bad. I won't lie. I didn't feel good about it. Then Tim would say, see you, darling. She's off to work. Initially, it was all right. But after a few months, I didn't feel good about that. I know it says, if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. But I didn't feel good about that. Self-esteem, all this kind of stuff was just... Weren't good feeling, I won't lie. It was, it, it weren't, those were not good days. And Lord said, yeah, you need to pray. Why do I want to pray about it, Lord? Why? Don't, I don't... Because I can make it happen. That's why. But I need you to cooperate, son. Okay, so... I started to pray. I didn't feel like it, but I started to pray. I said, okay, Lord, if I'm going to go back into the investment banking arena, here are my terms. I want a job that is handmade for me. I mean, like, fits me like a glove. It can't be an approximation to my skill set. It needs to be exactly me. So that they ain't going to come and say, your skills are not required. Well, I said to the Lord, it's going to happen that way. The Lord didn't say anything. He just nodded and said, I can make it happen. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, Fear not. There is nothing to fear, for I am with you. I'm going to put my name here. I am with you, Deji. Do not look around you in terror and be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen and harden you to difficulties. Yes, I will help you. Yes, I will hold you up and retain you with my victorious right hand of rightness and justice. Isaiah 43, 19. Behold, I am doing a new thing for you, son. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive and know it? And will you not give heed to it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God can be so soothing when you're in times of struggle. So I started to pray. And then... I submitted my CV to a city agent, and that was it. Just put my CV in, thought, okay, leave it. Within a day or two, got a phone call. I'll never forget, the guy said, right, there's someone in Deutsche Bank who wants to interview you. I said, interview me for what? He said, ah, there's no job. 
He just wants to speak to you. His name is Greg Roberts, MD in Cash Equities. So he's the managing director, Cash Equities. He wants to see you. So I'm like, what do you mean no job? He said, there's no opportunity. I'm being honest with you. There's no opportunity. There's no job. He just wants to see you. So what do you think the Lord is saying? I can make it happen. So I went along. Had the interview, the guy was really nice. Told him what I'd done, everything, blah, blah, blah. He liked me, I came back. He phoned the agent, said, yeah, he did really well in that first interview. I want him back tomorrow. I went back the next day. Had an interview. I think it was him and some other person. Went really well. They asked me all kinds of questions, crazy questions they're coming out with. Went home, they phoned. We want him back on Wednesday. He did really well. So I said to the agent, okay, so this is now the third interview. What is the position? He said, there is no job. There is no job. They just like you. Yeah. But you see, the Spirit of God was saying, I can make it happen. Go. So I went for the fourth interview. This was somebody completely different. I still know this lady. Came back. She said, yeah, did really well. Want to see him again the next day. Fifth interview. I told the agent, I am not prepared to have another interview without knowing what the job is. The response that came back, this Greg Roberts MD said, tell Deji that whatever is in his CV is what we need. That is his job description. Now remember what my prayer was. I want a job that's handmade for me. So this is not some, this is a senior guy in equities saying, tell him whatever's on his CV, he hadn't even read my CV. Whatever's on his CV, whatever it is, that's what we need. God can call somebody from the Arctic to be part of your blessing. He doesn't care who he is. doesn't care how senior he is or how low he is. He will call a man. And that man can talk whatever needs to be talked. Didn't end there. So I said, okay, fine. But still, what is the role? There's no job, Deji. But what they need is what you've got. So I showed up for the next interview. Interview six. This one was with another MD. His name was called Z-Way from Korea. Oh my God. Come into my office. Sit down. Now I have heard that you've done well in these interviews. 
But I don't care about that. I'm not interested in that. He's not empty, this guy. I'm not interested in, in what, they, what you said yesterday. Bold as anything, he said it. I want to know what you're going to do for me. I was like, what? I mean, I was bold in those days, but this guy <laughs> challenged. He, made, he actually made me smile because I was thinking, okay, this guy. You know what moment this was? This was my Joseph and Pharaoh moment. Genesis 41. He gave me a whole list of issues. Here's my problem. How are you going to deal with it? I came up with, I don't know where it came from. I said, okay, this is what I would do. He said, okay, how about this one? Yeah, this is what I'll do. So you're going to do all that for me, are you? Yeah. I'm going to do it. Okay. I mean, he was so bold. He said, okay, you've done well. And I'll expect nothing less than these things. The next day, phone call from Greg Roberts. Scripture first. Proverbs 22, 29 says this. Do you see a man diligent and skillful in his business? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. So here's this Greg Roberts, another MD, calls and says, right, tell Deji he's got the job. What job? Tell him he's got the job. I just need him to see a few more people <laughs> in my organization. So this Z-Way guy had said to Greg, get him, get this guy, I need him. He answered my questions, and that's all I need. Two MDs. Okay. So I showed up for a seven interview, seventh interview now. I was running out of clothes, to be honest. I was. I think I, only, I had one decent suit, and I was running out of shirts because it was in short succession, interview, interview, interview. Seventh interview, right? Somebody in the, in the US. I came back, phone rang. He's done really well. We want him to come in tomorrow. Eighth interview. Some other person in the team. But by this time, Greg had said, you've got the job. Had the interview, went really well, came back. Phone rang, he did well. We want him back for the ninth interview. Ninth interview, okay? What's God saying in this? I can make it happen. Ninth interview, I went in, bold as anything, I can't remember who it was. I think it was a lower down person just in the team. It was a good interview, came back and he said, yeah, fine, I'm all right with him. They called him back and said, right. Final interview, so this is the 10th interview now. 10th interview, they called me back. This is the HR interview now. This is the HR interview. And the Lord said, tell them what you want. Tell them what you want. The woman came in and she said, what salary are you after? 
I was bold. I considered the time that I had suffered. Yeah? I considered what I had suffered. You understand what I'm saying? I need to be remunerated for the suffering, right? Plus the fact that they require me. So I said, uh, I want X. X was a lot of money. And she said, um, now hold on. <laughs> yeah, I said I want X. But I remembered that I must not ask out of greed. Very important point I'm about to make here, right? I must not ask out of greed, but also I knew to ask that which would glorify the name of the Lord. So I wasn't coming in with some poverty mentality and saying, oh yeah, humbly, I want this. Uh-uh, that's rubbish. I'm coming in there and I'm saying, look, if I'm going to testify what God has done, then it needs to be something befitting the standard and quality of his ability. But I wasn't going to be asking in greed. James 4, 2 to 3 says this, you are jealous and cover what others have and your desires go unfulfilled. So you become murderers. To hate is to murder as far as your hearts are concerned. You burn with envy and anger and are not able to obtain the gratification and contentment and the happiness that you seek. So you fight and war you do not have because you do not ask or you do ask God for them and yet fail to receive because you ask with wrong purpose and evil selfish motives your intention is when you get what you desire to spend it in sensual pleasures so when God says ask you need to ask with the right motives because he will sift your motives. Look at Solomon. God said, what would you require of me? And he said, ah, an understanding heart so I can serve the people. And what did God give him? Wealth and wisdom. I remember that. So I asked. I asked for X. And the woman said, we're not giving you X. I said, why are you not giving me X? She said, you've been out of work for nine months. X is too much. We're not giving you X. I said, but you called me, remember? I didn't ask for the job here. You came to me. You saw my CV and you came and you asked me for an interview. She said, yes, but X is too high. But I want X. She said, X is too much, but I'll give you Y. What's the Lord saying at this point? I can make it happen. Sometimes you've just got to shut up and say, okay. So I shut up. And I said, okay. <laughs> 
I said, I want X, but I will agree Y, since these are your terms. They ain't my terms. They're your terms. Sometimes you've got to look a man or a woman in the eye and say, okay, but who are you appealing to? Who is the one that decides? Who is the one that makes the rules? God is the one that pays my salary. It may have Deutsche Bank written on it. He's the one that pays. So I said, okay, those are your terms. They're not my terms. I've said what I need. I want X. Okay. Remember what the Lord, the Holy Spirit said to us today. He said, I have the ways and I have the means to make everything work together for your benefit. There is nothing that I cannot shift in order for you to prosper. That's what he's saying to us today. According to his word. Don't get me wrong. Why was a lot of money? It wasn't a pittance. It was more money than I'd ever seen in a salary. Okay? But it wasn't X. My requirement. John 16, 24 says this. Up to this time, you have not asked a single thing in my name as presenting all that I am. But now ask and keep on asking and you will receive so that your joy, gladness, delight may be full and complete. Now, I was happy with what they offered, but joy is a different thing to happiness. In the name of Jesus, X is mine. That's what I was saying. And I say that to any brother or any sister. When you've asked the thing of the Lord and the world presents what they say you should have, you must say no. You can say, okay, those are your terms, but you must say no in your heart. Say, Lord, mm -mm, not this one. Because the devil will try to cheat you on the basis of what you have agreed in your heart. All right. So, hurrying it nicely along. So I agreed these terms. Now, I started my first day at Deutsche Bank on the 26th of October, 2009. So we're talking 12 years and a few months. I've been there. Okay. At the beginning of 2010, after my first three months, the MD Greg Roberts called me from New York and said, Digi, it's the end of the year and it's time for your appraisal. You've done well. You've done very well. So I've decided I'm going to give you £6,000 bonus for three months to get £6,000. That's like crazy. He said, don't thank me. Don't thank me. This is what you deserve. Don't thank me. Think about this guy, MD, saying, don't thank me. This is what you deserve. £6,000 bonus. I did tithe it, by the way. And then he said, on top of that, I'm going to give you a 15% pay increase, effective immediately. That's a lot of money now. I did the calculation, and it came to X. 
you see. Came to X. Came to X. Who gets the glory? Because this day I stand before you and I tell you, God has a way of doing things. Didn't end there. This Z-Way guy, the other MD, okay, the one that was bold, took me to his office and said, right, what are you going to do for me? He called me to have a meeting. I was not expecting what I saw. I walked into the room and there must have been 20, 25 directors in there. He said, sit down, Deji. They were from all over the the organization. He said, sit down. So I sat down. He said, have you got any papers? And I had brought some process documentation with me. And all these guys were looking at me harshly. I'm thinking, what? Why are you looking at me like that? And he stood up and he said this. He said, this is Deji so-and-so. Whatever he says, you're doing it. Whatever process or policy he puts in, you're going to obey it. All of you, without exception. He's the guy for this. You will do whatever he says. I mean, that's shocking, right? Because these are all directors, and I'm VP, whatever. And he says, look, this is the same guy. Genesis 41, 39 to 41 says this. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, for as much as your God has shown you all this, what's all this? Wisdom, understanding, interpretation. There is nobody as intelligent and discreet and understanding and wise as you are. You shall have charge over my house and all my people shall be governed according to your word with reverence, submission and obedience. Only in matters of the throne will I be greater than you are. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Now that is a Joseph moment. What's God saying? I can make it happen. Now can you see, saints, this is not about my individual brilliance, although in Christ I can do all things, obviously. It's about our God. It's about his willingness to show himself strong in your life. No man can challenge this No circumstance can stop it as long as you stand in agreement with the Holy Spirit and you are sure about what you want him to do and you give him the opportunity to come through in the season and on the appropriate time. God will always come through. I am still working in that organization. 12 years, four months and there's such peace, there's no stress. I mean, that job is like, there's been so many people that have lost their jobs all around, redundancies, different things, 
but they haven't come to that department. They haven't touched us. They've tried, but it's just not. Just what God does is permanent. And I thank God for that job. The job is not everything. My God is everything. All glory to him. That's where I'm going to leave it. So I want to encourage you. God can do it. I don't know what you're going through, what you need. But I know that there is no limit to what he can do. And he loves the impossible. Father, in the name of Jesus, may your kingdom come and your will be done in every one of your dear saints' lives. Holy Spirit, show us how we can trust you more and more and more. Build us up and strengthen us at times when we are in trial. Help us to understand fully who we are in Christ so that we can do spiritual warfare with confidence. The devil will not have anything on us. Father, if you are looking, Lord, if you are going to and fro throughout the whole world, come to CCF. There are many here who say, yes, Lord, I pronounce breakthrough where breakthroughs have not yet come. I lift you up from your dismay of disappointment and declare victory and success unto the glory of the living God. I require testimonies, Lord, from the things that you are able to do. Put smiles and rejoicing in the hearts of the saints before you today show yourself strong you can make it happen Lord we agree and we are indeed ready today in a new way I thank you Holy Spirit for that which you've spoken to us today in Jesus name Amen Amen Man, well, about 500 things I can say from all the lessons that were just illustrated to us incredibly well. Um, so many spiritual aspects we could speak to that he accomplished. But the one thing I think to just, I think I need to speak to is simply. I can you know I can hear people saying, "Well, that's Deji. That's because of his education. That's because of his skill sets. That's because of all of this and other things." And so, one of the main things I want to say is, you must remember, God is no respecter of persons. I said, God isn't a respecter of persons. Now, He's done a phenomenal job in this man's life, but you hear between the lines the story of his pursuit and literally Matthew 6 33 seeking the kingdom first 
always going as best as his knowledge was God's way in doing things. So basically, what we have here is a living example of somebody who has applied his heart to the principles of God. It's just that simple. And uh, there's a fight in that, to say the least. Uh, but he's living proof, isn't he? What we just listened to is living proof that God is faithful. But again, we need to be faithful and cooperate. Amen? And one other statement I'm going to make in line with that is Rick Joyner, you know, is a bit of a friend of mine. And Rick told me when he's, he's, he's written so many really excellent books and so many people look to him as a true spiritual, um, you know, well, I was going to say giant. That's the wrong word. They just look at him as a true spiritual father in the earth. So many people do in other ministries around the world. But he said to me, he said, uh, you know what happens? I said, I forget what I said, but he, he said, you know what happens the most with me? He said, people come up to me and they ask me to lay hands on me that I might, that they might receive the gift of writing that I have. And he said, I look at him and I go, are you crazy? He said, this, what you call gifted writing? He said, I can't give you the 43 years of study and the 43 years of uh, endurance and the 43 years of, you know, I've given myself to do the things that God has allowed me to do. And so I'm just saying, you know, herein lies a great lesson for us. And just it's it's truly an honor to have Deji and Tina with us, because, again, here we have a living example of God's faithfulness. Seriously, you need to take that very seriously. But I, at the same time, like I said, the main thing I want to say is don't be depressed. Be encouraged, because, again, God, one of the things I've learned the most about is how God will make up for lost time. When he sees a decision from the heart, I said, a decision from the heart. There's a lot of statements that have been going on for the last decade or more about acceleration, God's acceleration of things in the spirit. Whatever you haven't seen doesn't take away the fact that that is exactly the season we are in. It's, it's extreme time of acceleration in things of the spirit. And uh, I'm just saying... You just heard something incredibly, deeply, spiritually encouraging. Do not be dismayed. Believe that God is no respecter of persons. You see, it's like someone, what's, it's what someone said to me years ago that I found myself saying to others years ago when I was principal of a Bible school. He said, you know, what God's doing in the earth right now, what it's taken me five years to get to, if you'll apply yourself, you can have it in five months. If on these, this, these overhead screens... I used to say this a long time ago. I used to say this to prisoners when I do prison ministry. I said, if you will actually, from this day forward, seek God's face every single day, 
I'm not saying 15 hours a day, but I said, if you will actually give yourself to God's word, if you will become a man or woman of prayer and truly begin to acknowledge God in all your ways, I said, if you'll do that from this day forward, I said, if I could show you a picture of yourself 12 months from now, you would not be able to believe that you were looking at yourself because of what God can and will do for you if you actually lean into him and give yourself to him. Hallelujah. So God is no respecter of persons. So what he will do for one, he will do for another. All we have to do is similarly, truly seek first his kingdom. Like I said, there's a thousand lessons. That means I choose not to look at some things that other people look at on television. I choose not to read some things that other people read. I choose to not surround myself with things that do not glorify God, but glorify the enemies of God. It's as simple as that. Weed out the stuff that is an obstacle to God's desire to show himself alive to you. Don't knowingly put things in your atmospheres that are repugnant to heaven. Amen? Get rid of that. Just say, okay, it's time. I'm done. I'm done with that. I choose life. So, Father, we give you thanks for today. Almighty God, I... The sense of your presence and the sense of just the veracity, the truth of what we heard today is just too powerful, too powerful to lose and to treat unkindly. I don't know how to say it. But Father, we give you thanks that you have in our midst a, a couple that have paid these kind of prices but have proven your faithfulness. And yet there's much, much more, of course, you're going to do with them. But Father, we do lay claim to the truth. I say we lay claim to the truth. You will not do for one what you won't do for another when similar conditions are seen by you. So Father, we simply say we yield ourselves to you afresh. We submit ourselves to you afresh. Here we are. Take us. Use us. Correct us. Strengthen us. Bring the moral courage to do what we know to do. In the name of your son Jesus, we give you thanks for this. Amen. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday.